Amen. After everything he's been through, he can sit in that chair. He looks pretty comfortable, don't he? Amen. Would you open your precious Bible this morning to the book of 1 Kings? 1 Kings chapter 17. They'll be heading back. Now, if I'm correct, they'll be back for good on the 15th of December. His rehab will be concluded at that time. But he will have to go back this afternoon, and they've still got some rehab. But boy, I'll tell you what, from someone that's had to learn how to talk and eat and walk, you're doing good, son. Isn't he doing well? And it's an amazing thing to have three strokes, three areas of his brain has been affected, three quarters of his brain. Because because of his age, and I believe because of his personality, he's a fighter. And that's what the nurses told us, that a lot of this would depend upon stone. And uh, they told the parents, and I was there, that they felt good that he was young, uh, that he would be able to recover. It's an amazing thing. We're, we're fearfully and wonderfully made. The Bible's true. And they explained to us medically that when someone's brain is damaged, it's amazing. They, I even seen a picture of Stone's brain where the three different areas, you could tell that area was gone. It was not working. It was not functioning. And here's what the, the doctors told the family, that it's amazing how that the other parts of the brain will kick in and do what those areas are not doing. It's amazing, isn't it? We're fearfully and wonderfully made. God made us in such a special way. The human body... And I'm thankful for the science, the medical technology that we have, but I want you to know the great physician's the Lord. And uh, I want to bring you to it, I want to bring attention to 1 Kings. This is what the Lord put on my mind the moment that I heard that Stone was going to be back. And we said we were going to have a special day. We've been praying for this young man for a long, long time. And God uh, has seen the family and him through the valleys. And there's been many, there have been many hits. I uh, tried to be there when I could and when that third stroke took place, that was a great hit because we thought two was enough and then that third one was found and we knew that that was going to cause some extra extended uh, issues and uh, I couldn't imagine uh, the heart of, of the family and how they took those, but through all of it, there's no doubt we have a God that is a miracle working God. And he does all things for his glory and for his purpose. God does all things. And he does all things well. Now, I don't like to say that. I don't like to admit to you in that, that there are things in life that I don't understand. But God knows what he's doing. And even in the health of a child that seems to be innocent, That there is no reason why something like this should happen to a boy. But God allows things like this. I have a friend that I went to school with and he just recently buried his wife. Same age, we're the same age. And uh, he put up on Facebook 11 hours ago, God allows pain for a purpose. I don't know about you, but that's spiritual. That's not something you just manufacture in a little cute cliche and say, 
Oh, I know that pain has a purpose. No, we don't like pain. But we know that God does use pain and God will use it for His purpose. And I want to bring attention this morning. I'm going to skip around a little bit. If you're familiar with 1 Kings chapter 17, we're introduced to a man by the name of Elijah, great prophet in the Old Testament. And Elijah was a great man. He performed many miracles. And of course, after him, his preceded that came after him was Elisha and we know that Elisha even had more miracles but I want to draw attention we're going to look in chapter 17 chapter 18 and I want you to know in first in chapter 18 uh, we're going to probably preach on this tonight more so but really chapter 18 was the climax the crescendo kind of of speaking of Elijah's ministry Everything really led up to chapter 18. You say, well, what happened in chapter 18? Well, there was a showdown on the Mount Carmel. He was living in a day where he very clearly said in chapter 18 of verse number 21, the question was asked, how long halt ye between two opinions? See, what was going on, there was an opinion that they were trying to figure out Whose God is real? Whose God is alive? Whose God is alive? And so the opinion was there were over 400 prophets of Baal and the whole nation of Israel was starting to get away from the true and living God and they were going and following after Baal, another God. So the opinion was and the riff was is who's really God? Who's really alive? So the showdown on the mountain took place that Elijah said, we're going to find out. He said, we're going to find out who's alive. How long are you going to halt between two opinions? I'm telling you, Jehovah God is alive and real. And you're trying to tell me that Baal is alive and real. We're going to find out. And so he challenges One man challenges over 400 prophets of Baal, the only man that was challenging. And you know the story. He said, here's how we're going to do it. You're going to call upon your God and you're going to get this sacrifice and you're going to put it on the altar and whosoever God comes down with fire and consumes the sacrifice, consumes the bullock, said that's the real and alive God. They agreed. And so during this, we're going to read it tonight, but during this time, these prophets of Baal, they start dancing. They start praying. They start cutting themselves for hours. For hours. They're trying to get their God that is alive and real, Baal, to send down fire. And by the way, if you read the account, fire never came after hours of all of that mess. Blood was everywhere. They were wore out. They were crying. They were hollering. And I could just see Elijah sitting over with his arms crossed because he's sitting there and he even says this, and it came to pass at noon that Elijah mocked him. He said, hey boys, maybe y'all need to scream a little louder. Maybe your God is on an amusement trip. Maybe your God is asleep and you need to wake him up. Man, what a, what a, what a mocking man here. 
He said, y'all need to scream a little louder. Maybe your God can't hear you. He's asleep. Maybe he's talking. He said, maybe he can't hear you. So here's what they do in verse 28. So they cried aloud. They cried louder. Then they started cutting themselves after their manner with knives and lances till the blood gushed out upon them. Trying to get this God, Baal, this God, to answer them. Guess what? He never did. You know why? Because there is no other God. And then... Oh, Elijah steps up, takes his bullock, says, all right, now I want y'all to cut this bullock up, put him on the altar. And he said, let's just go ahead and double douse him. We're going to ask my God to come down with some fire, but before we do that, let's douse him and get him good and wet. So he had them go get buckets of water, douse the bullock, and then they built a trench around the altar so there was water everywhere because, you know, water and fire don't mix. So after all day, Stone, these prophets of Baal, they were yelling, screaming, cutting themselves, going into some satanic frenzy to get a God that's not alive or real to call down fire, which never came, took them hours. I want you to read with me here in verse 34. And he said of chapter 18, and he said, do it the second time. So he's now I want you to take him buckets of water. He said, I want you to get him wet again. And they did it the second time. And he said, do it the third time. And they did it the third time. So now the bullock, the altar, the rocks, the trench, everything's full of water. And he filled the trench also with water. Verse 36, and it came to pass at the time of the offering of the evening sacrifice that Elijah the prophet came near and said, Lord, I want you to, y'all count while I talk. Y'all count in seconds, will you, to yourself. Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and of Israel, let it be known this day that thou art God in Israel and that I am thy servant and that I have done all these things at thy word. Hear me, O Lord, hear me, that this people may know that thou art the Lord God and that thou hast turned their heart back again. Then the fire came. Y'all know how many y'all know how many seconds that took him to get fire down? They've been dancing, they've been screaming, they've been cutting all day long. This man stands up and prays 18 seconds and the fire comes down. Y'all tell me who's God. There wasn't no more opinions. Now We know that God proved himself alive in front of all this host. But you know what I've learned through all of this? All of Elijah's ministry for that crescendo, for that climax, before he could stand before all those 400 prophets of Baal in front of a whole nation and declare with confidence that this God is alive, I'm going to tell you why he could do that. Because God had already proved himself alive to Elijah in personal ways. Would y'all go back with me? Look at chapter 17. It starts that God proved himself alive and real at the brook. He proved himself alive at the brook to Elijah. See, Elijah was in a desperate place. He had just went and told Ahab that there was going to be no rain. God knew that he was going to be hunted. God knew that he was going to be in trouble. So God said, I want you to get to a little obscure place over there. He said, I want you to get to a little place, a little brook. And he said, while you're there, I'm going to take care of all of your physical needs. And you know what God did at the brook? He proved to him, Elijah, that day, those weeks, that God was able to take care of him. 
And I want you to know something. Elijah would have never stood before those 400 people and before that whole nation if God would not have already proved himself alive at the brook in a personal way. And I want to just say here today, I want you to know, and I think the family can testify, God has proved himself alive and real to this family and to you, Mr. Stone, because he's proved himself that he can supply. Not a need. Every need supplied. See, God's proved Himself in stone. Here's what's happening. God's proving Himself real to you. God has proved Himself more alive and real to this family. By the way, it should prove God more alive to this whole church. It ought to bind us in a place that we know that we have a God that hears and answers prayer. And we know that we have a God that wants to use young men like this and use situations like this to get more people saved and to realize that we have a God that is worth following. See, Elijah could have never had that crescendo. He could have never had that great, uh, that great climax of his ministry of proving God was alive to a whole nation until God was proven real to him. Personally. See, we like to get hit in crowds. And we like to say, I tell you what, we have all the ideas, we have all these things that we want to say about people, but the truth is this. We don't know how God works in people's lives personally how He provides. It's a powerful thing. God has proved Himself alive to me. Yes, through pleasure and through pain. I have been at the brook many times and God has supplied. He's proved Himself real. So we know that God has proved Himself alive and that's the name of the message today, Brother Chris. Proving God is alive. God has proved himself alive to Elijah at the brook. Now stay with me. Here's an amazing thing. Now we move from the brook. Now he goes to a place called Zarephath. And we understand as we keep looking in chapter 17 that the famine has come. He said there was going to be no rain. There was no rain. So guess what took place? People were having trouble. They were starving. They weren't able to have crops. They weren't able to have food. So it caused a great famine in the land. There, everyone's filling it. So now we see that Elijah comes up on this little widow lady. She has one precious thing in her life. Her husband has passed. She has one precious thing in life, and it's her boy. And we meet her here, and Elijah shows up on the scene and says, Hey, She's getting ready to prepare the last bit of meal she has, make a couple of little cakes, maybe cornbread, some kind of a bread, some kind of a wheat bread, something, and was going to eat it and die. Then Elijah shows up. Now, as a boy, I thought, man, Elijah was an awful cocky guy. He comes up on the scene. This woman's fixing the last little bit of food she has. Then she's going to die. And Elijah had enough about him to say to her, you fix me a cake first. That sounds just like a preacher, don't it? But see, there's something in this. And as I've been studying for this stone, God has taught me something. He wasn't arrogant and he wasn't cocky. See, at the brook, God proved himself alive that he could take care of his physical needs. But see, when he had to ask this little widow lady for something... Here's what God broke him in. 
he humbled him. Because he had to ask for something that he knew that he couldn't. And of all people, he'd have to ask from a little widow lady. See, God proved himself alive at the brook that he could take care of his physical needs. But God proved himself alive through the barrel. Through the barrel. Because the Bible said right here, and the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail. According to the word of the Lord, God proved himself alive through the barrel. You know why? Because here's what Elijah had to learn, that he couldn't do it himself. He had to rely on God. You know, the greatest day in your life, gentlemen, is when you realize you ain't got it. Do you know when you realize, ladies, when you really get somewhere, when you realize you ain't got it? And when you come to a place in your life that God is so real to you, you're depending upon Him instead of yourself. There's going to come times in your life you can't get it. You can't do it. Uh, Mr. Stone, physically, you weren't able to do anything. He seen one of his nurses the other day, uh, yesterday at the birthday party. I said, I said, Stone, do you remember her? And he shook his head. He says, no, I don't remember. And she was with him for hours. He physically couldn't do anything. I said, thought about Scotty and Sarah as we sat up there at hours on end at the hospital and the family. They were there. They couldn't go in there and touch their boy. They couldn't go in there and fix their son. They couldn't change anything. But I know this, and I've talked with both of them. They realized this. When they, had, they found out all they had was Jesus, they found out Jesus was enough. Why? Because he proves himself alive in situations like this. God proved himself alive through the brook. God proved himself real and alive through the barrel. But y'all just hold on. Y'all know where I'm going. Y'all know what happens next, don't you? So after this meal and after this thing takes place, that she fixes the man of God the cake first, he eats it, but does exactly what God says. The oil and the meal never wastes. And it's there all the time. And she was able to be able to feed her and her family through that whole famine. Then then a tragedy strikes. After all that. After all of that. Notice what happens in chapter 17. Look at verse 17. And it came to pass after these things, after the son of the woman, the mistress of the house fell sick, And his sickness was so sore that there was no breath left in him. He died. And she said unto Elijah, What have I to do with thee, O thou man of God? Art thou coming to me to call my sin to remembrance and to slay my son? And he said unto her, Give me thy son. And he took him out of her bosom and carried him up into a loft where he abode and laid him upon his own bed. And he cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, hast thou also brought evil upon the widow with whom I sojourned by slaying her son. And he stretched himself upon the child three times and cried unto the Lord and said, O Lord my God, I pray thee, let this child's soul come into him again. And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah and the soul of the child came into him again and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down out of the chamber into the house and delivered him into his mother. And Elijah said, See, thy son liveth. And the woman said to Elijah, now by this, I know, notice this, I know, she didn't say, I think, maybe, might, she said, I know that thou art a man of God and that the word of the Lord in thy mouth is truth. Can I say, God 
proved Himself real and alive through this boy. I got goosebumps right now. God is still proving Himself real and alive through this boy. A miracle. Medically speaking, Stone, you shouldn't be here. Every nurse that we spoke to, one of them by name, Lindsay, she had worked in the adult stroke unit. She looked at me. Sarah had already told me. I went in to see him that day. She's like, this is a miracle. She said if he was an adult, he would have never lived. Brandy the other day ran into one of the nurses and just thanked her for being so good and kind to the family and working so hard with Stone. And here's what the nurse, and I quote, said to Brandy. She said, uh-uh. She said, that was all God. Why do you think he's trying to prove himself alive? All of this has been because God is wanting to let people know there don't need to be any opinion. There's no reason following Buddha. There's no follow, no reason following Islam. There's no reason following all of these fake gods. We have the real and living God. There's no opinion. God has proved himself alive through this boy. There's no doubt about it. You're not going to convince me otherwise. I was standing there at the doctor in the ER when they came in and said the situation looks grim. He was aspirated plus had a brain bleed. Immediately rushed him. They had to sign papers. I thought about it. They had to sign papers right there that he could die on the table. But you know all I can think, and I know I'm not no prophet, but I'm going to tell you all this. Do you all know what helped me? I thought of the story. Why would God let this boy live and make sure that he had a meal when he could have died and not had a meal, and he did all those little miracles to prove himself alive through the barrel to let him just die? Same thing happened to me that morning. I'm sitting there trying to just, in my mind, saying, Lord... Why not me? Why him? I was sitting there in that ER saying, Lord, here's a young man that dressed up like a preacher for Halloween. Carried his Bible around for Halloween. That's not normal stuff. Have y'all ever heard of that? That's, That's not normal. That was a testimony on Halloween night. That's not normal. So in my mind, I'm going, Lord, why are you letting this happen? And then I thought, he wanted to shadow a preacher. I'm like, Lord. And then here's the real thing. Do you know what else helped me? A dog. A dog. I thought about this story even there. I thought, Lord, you let that boy live through the famine. You took care of that little detail that you didn't let that barrel. Now you're going to let him die. She asked the same thing. She's like, are you going to let me? Are you going to let him live through this famine? What have I done to you, old man of God, that now you're making fun of me? You're going to let my son die? And she was really talking to God. See, there's a lot in the details. 
God does everything perfect. And down there that day, I thought, and I even looked at y'all and I said, hey, listen, I feel good about it. I didn't have no reason to feel that way. I'm just going to tell you right now, I felt good about it. Y'all know why? Because of a dog. You say, Pastor, what do you mean a dog? Why would God get a dog to wake up the mom minutes after he's aspirated and having a stroke to get him the medical attention that he got? Because if he'd have laid there much longer, Mr. Stone, I'm going to just tell you right now, you wouldn't be sitting there today comfy in that chair, looking awful sharp with a pink tile on. Carries it well, don't he? You say, why? God was proving himself alive. You say that he loves stone? Sure he loves stone, but I'm going to tell you right now, his will is perfect. And I don't know about y'all, if there's anybody out here halting whether there's a real God or not, y'all need to get with the program. The Lord Jehovah God, the God of this Bible, He's the real thing. He's the only one. He's the one that was proven real alive on the Mount of Carmel. He's the one that proved Himself alive at the brook. He proved Himself real and alive by the barrel. And He also proved Himself real and alive by the boy. And He's still doing it. I don't know about y'all. If I was a parent in here today and I had children, I'm going to tell y'all what I'd be doing. Y'all know what I'd be doing? I'd be getting to this God as quick as I could. Because I'm going to tell y'all right now, this God loves your children more than this world does. This world doesn't love your children like their Creator loves them. Can I say that if we believe that this God is an all-working, miracle-working God, and we know that He is through the life of stone, we know that he's through the life because of this boy. How does that affect us? A couple things and I close. Well, first of all, we know that he hears and answers prayer. He hears and answers prayer. Why does he hear and answer prayer? For his glory. He does all things well. He answers prayer. Not only that, something else I've learned about our God that's real and alive is He is all-powerful. Now, I appreciate doctors. (laughs) Brother Richie, honestly, one of the uh, doctors, it was like one of the first two days there, you know, Scotty came and said, hey, uh, Stone's doctor is a trout fisherman. I ain't never had a common sense conversation with a doctor till I met that man. I mean, I normally, when you talk to a doctor, he's like, they have like a God complex. They really do. Come on now. They really do because, you know, they got power. They, they went through that. And by the way, they something to go through school that many years. They probably, probably got to be half crazy. But I appreciate them. I appreciate their wealth of knowledge. I appreciate all of that. And and I'm thankful for the medical profession. There's no doubt about it. But that doctor, I'm just going to be honest, he he talked to me about trout fishing. But he even admitted me to that day. This is in God's hands. There's only so much they could do. There's only so much humanity can do. I'm going to tell you all right now. 
We have a miracle working God. So here's the question. What are you dealing with today? I don't know what it is. But if you just hang on to him, he's going to show himself alive with you too. He's real. Life is painful. Life can be very painful. We can be hurt deeply. As I read that Facebook post that a friend of mine that's lost his wife, didn't lose her, he knows where she's at. Went to school together. We graduated the same year together. She died of cancer. They buried her Friday. He put up 11 hours ago, God allows pain for a purpose. He does. I don't understand all of this stone. I'm not going to sit here and say to you that I understand all of this. But I will tell you this. God has a purpose. He does. He has a purpose. You know why? Because he's all powerful. You know how I know he's all powerful? He is still in the work in the Miracle working business, yes, he can take care of health tragedies. But you know why I even know he's even greater miracle worker than that? He can save our old souls. You know, if you're here today and you say, uh, Pastor Mark, I don't know for sure if I die, I'm going to heaven. You can know. I mean, that's why this whole book was written. It's absolutely the unfolding drama of redemption. You can slice this book anywhere and it bleeds. There's one story. There's one theme. There's one subject. There's one paragraph. There's one point. There's one person. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. If you miss Him, you miss it all. He came... Because He loved mankind. He created us. But we as creation sinned against God. Adam and Eve sinned. And because Adam and Eve sinned, sin passed upon all mankind. Sin brings death. But oh, this is what's beautiful. Even though we are sinners and even though we deserve death, here's what's amazing. Even though we're guilty, God still loved us. You know why? He had a way. The Lord Jesus Christ said, I'll go. I'll hang on Calvary. I will robe myself in flesh. The very God, this God, that proved himself alive on Carmel, who proved himself alive by the boy, who proved himself alive by the barrel, who proved himself alive by the brook. He said, I'll go. I will become sin for their sin. They've sinned. They deserve the judgment. They deserve the pain. They deserve hell. But I'll go. You know why? Because He loves us. He loves us. Even when we were unlovable. Even when we didn't love Him back. He still loved us. 
And oh, that's what drove him to this earth. He robed himself in flesh, came to this earth, lived 33 and a half years. He was wrongfully tried, wrongfully accused, wrongfully put to death on the cross. And on, praise God on that third day, he gloriously raised from the dead. And when he did, he defeated death. He defeated hell. And bless God, he defeated the Satan. And one day they're all going to be in hell. I don't know where you're at today, but if you're doubting your salvation, don't. If you don't know for sure if you die, you're going to heaven, I want you to know something. This God that's proved Himself alive, He will prove Himself alive and real in your heart. You can be saved today by acknowledging Him as your personal Savior. If you'll put your trust in Him, He will save you from the guttermost to the uttermost. The only thing that would keep you from doing it is your stinking pride. I don't need a Savior. Yes, you do. And so do I. To be quite honest with you, I'm probably the greatest chief of sinners in here. I know who I am. I'm not going to heaven because I'm a preacher. I'm not going to heaven because I'm dressing in a suit. I'm not going to heaven because I come to church and faithfully and I've been baptized. I'm going to tell you why I'm going to come to heaven. I was an old sinner lost in my sin, but there was a good day that I realized I was lost and I needed a Savior. And by faith, I just ran to the Lord Jesus and said, Oh, Lord, save me. I can't go to heaven without you. I'm trusting you as my personal Savior. And I put my faith in Christ and He tells me that faith saved me. You know why that's so beautiful? Even a child can do it. You know, if we come up with some way to get saved, by the way, religions have come up with a way trying to get to heaven. But God's way is simple. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know why it's so simple? Because everybody can do it. Now, where are you at today? How many of y'all believe God's proved himself alive through this boy? Y'all believe that? Would you raise your hand? I believe it. I don't know. I know mom and dad could give you more medical reasons why, but I mean, I've butchered that enough. Do you believe God's alive by letting you be alive? Amen. That's really all that matters. Can I ask you this publicly? Did you have any dreams? Can you remember any dreams? Can you remember the very first thing when you came to who you seen? What can you remember that? Was that at the hospital or was that down in Atlanta? Probably in the hospital. In the hospital. I remember seeing um, the camera and the nurse. And you just knew everything was going to be okay, didn't you? You know why? Because I think even in his medical sleep. God had already proved to him he was alive and real and gave him a sweet peace. I don't know where y'all are today, but I'm going to tell y'all right now, if I didn't know this God, I'd get to know him today. I don't know about y'all, but I'm glad I know this God. And I'm glad that I was convicted of my sin one day, and I'm glad that I trusted him as my personal Savior. And look, I ain't perfect, but he sure is. And when I lay my head on the pillow tonight, I'm going to have perfect peace. Before I give the invitation, I don't want to forget this. All of you ladies, and I know Miss Ashley helped with this, Ashley Runner. All of you ladies that fix food, 
and took things down to the hospital. Would you stand? Would you do that a moment? Would y'all do that? Come on now, don't be shy. All of you do it for me now, please. Thank you. Appreciate that. Now, y'all know what y'all did? Oh, no, no, no. Y'all got to stand up. <laughs> y'all know what y'all did? And I think I'm right here, Miss Sarah. You were a great testimony to the whole staff of the PICU unit. So God even proved himself alive through the generosity and y'all being a testimony to who else knows who might be lost on that PICU unit. So I want to thank y'all. Let's give them a hand. Y'all ready to go to the house? Stone, you feeling comfortable up there still? Well, let's give an invitation. I think there needs to be some praise here this morning. I know we've done a lot of praying and asking God to touch him, but now that we know that God has touched him, I think there ought to be a lot of church folks come around this altar this morning and thank him for it. But before we do that, I want to give anyone here, if you're here today and you do not know for sure if you die, you're going to heaven, listen to me. I beg, I plead with you. He will save you today. And you will not have to be worried or be fearful anymore. We will have someone take the Bible and they'll show you from God's word how you can know Jesus Christ as your Savior. We're not peddling religion. Christianity is not a religion. It is a relationship with the Lord Jesus. Huge difference. If you don't know him today, why not? Today's the day. Could we stand our feet? With our head bowed and our eyes closed. Head bowed, eyes closed. Would you be honest this morning? Would you please be honest? So Pastor Mark, I'm here this morning and I absolutely know 100% for sure, no doubt about it, I know for sure Jesus Christ is my Savior. And I know that I've trusted him, and by just way of testimony, you're not bragging about it, you just know, and you want to just, by lifting your hand, you say, I know Jesus Christ, I'm thankful that he saved me. I don't deserve it, but I'm thankful. Would you raise your hand? Would you do that? That's, that's, that's wonderful. Can I ask you this question? You say, Pastor Mark, I'm here today, and I'm just going to be honest with you, I couldn't raise my hand, I just don't know for sure. Would you pray for me? Would you pray for me? No one else is looking, and I'm not going to embarrass you, I promise. I'm going to do exactly what I said. I'm going to pray for you. You say, that's me, Pastor. I don't know for sure if I die, I'm going to heaven. Is there anyone like that this morning? Would you just raise your hand where I can see it? Is there anyone like that at all this morning? Anybody? Can I ask this? How many of you think it's time that we thank this God for showing himself alive and real? The altar's open, and how about as they play, why don't we have some folks come around this morning, and let's just thank the Lord for what He's done in this boy's life, in your life, in others' lives.
before you go back to your seat. When you get done praying, if you would just stand up here in the front, would you please? We're going to close a little different today. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness. We thank you for your grace. And Lord, we are thankful that we have a God that is alive and real. Lord, thank you for continuing to prove yourself in a personal way, but Lord, also in a personal way, a powerful way. So Lord, we ask you today to just bless. We thank you for working in this young man's life physically. Lord, we are just trusting how you're going to work in all of our lives spiritually in days and years to come. We pray you do get great honor and glory, for we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. Y'all are dismissed. Amen. God bless you.